How about some sports? We'll get into the usual stuff in the second half hour. Uh, you know, Afghanistan, uh, COVID stupidity. There's plenty of that. But I wanted to start with some sports today because there are a couple of anniversaries, interesting ones. First, uh, today's the 90th anniversary of the birth of Bino Cook. Remember him? I was lucky enough to get to know Bino uh, very well and work with him. He was a good friend. And he was as much a Pittsburgh original as Bob Prince and Myron Cope, every bit. Uh, two other guys I knew well, by the way, and worked with. Bino uh, could have been created by a sitcom writer. Uh, I don't have time to go into why, but if you knew him, even if you saw little bits and pieces of him on TV over the years, you, you, I think you know what I mean. But if you knew him, you'd know exactly what I meant. His most famous line came on the night that the, uh, the hostages in Iran were released. The commissioner of baseball, Bowie Kuhn, announced that all the returning hostages would be given lifetime passes to Major League Games. And uh, Bino Cook's response was, quote, haven't they suffered enough? That was his response. And I, I was actually working at Channel 4 that night, and, and I was in the room where the, we used to have the old ticker. It wasn't on computers then. It was a ticker, and it was a, you know, just like a machine spitting out uh, reams of paper. And I was looking at all the news that came down about the hostages being released, and I saw that quote, and I fell on the floor. Just, yeah, and I, you had to know Bino because, which I didn't. I, yeah, I guess I did know him at the time, but he, uh, he didn't. He wasn't a big baseball fan, so that was a great line. Anyway, that, that's a title of a biography of Bino that's coming out later this month, and we're going to have the author uh, coming on in a couple of weeks. Today's also the 50th anniversary, though, of the Pirates putting nine black players on the field for a game. Now um, that it, that doesn't sound like it. maybe maybe you'd think it was a huge deal back then, but back then, believe it or not, it, it wasn't a big deal. The New York Times has a story on it today. It was mentioned uh, back then because it was interesting that nine black players had uh, taken the field because it made history. But the media coverage back then was nothing like it is today. The players uh, didn't think it was a big deal, and the manager Danny Murtaugh barely noticed when he filled out his lineup card that had Rennie Stennett, Gene Kleins, Roberto Clemente, Willie Stargell, Manny Sanguian, Dave Cash, Al Oliver, Jackie Hernandez, and Doc Ellis, all, all nine, all black. And that's what, that was the lineup. And when we come back after this break coming up here, uh, I will talk to Danny Murtaugh's son, Tim, who was a player and a manager in the Pirates minor league system. Talk to him about what he remembers about that day and what it meant to his dad. Stick around. My friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help you get the best sleep of your life, and he didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Mike created the Giza Dream bed sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me, which is crucial for my busy schedule. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft, breathable, but extremely durable, and Mike's Giza sheets come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. The first night you sleep on the Giza sheets, you'll never want to sleep on anything else. Giza Dream sheets come in a variety of sizes and 
colors. And Mike's latest incredible deal is the sale of the year. For a limited time, you'll get 50% off the Giza Dream Sheets. You'll receive a set for as low as $49.99. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use promo code STAG. There you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper and so much more. Call 1-800-716-8087. Use the promo code STAG. Go to MyPillow.com. Make sure you use the promo code STAG. People do some pretty cool things in their 40s and 50s. Why should saving for retirement be any different? I mean, they go back to college. Learn new instruments. Start skateboarding. Okay, maybe that one's not for everybody, but saving for retirement is. With aceyourretirement.org, you can get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. Just have a three-minute chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach from AARP. You'll get personalized recommendations based on your input that are easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Gnarly move, Dad. Thanks, sweetie. So wherever you are in your retirement savings journey, head to aceyourretirement.org and start chatting with Avo today. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. Hi, this is Rhett Rasmussen of BestHotGrill.com. Football is back, and so is tailgating. Whether it's Friday Night Lights, Saturday College, or Pro Sundays, Solaire Portable Infrared Grills set up fast and heat up quickly. Only three minutes to searing hot temperatures, just like the big backyard Solaires. The Solaire Grills will make you the master of the tailgater with the juiciest, most flavorful food in the parking lot. The fast grilling times leave you more time to talk up your team. And they cool down fast so you won't miss a minute of the game. The Solaire Anywhere and Solaire Everywhere portable infrared grills are perfect for any grilling on the go. From picnics to camping, RVs to boating, but especially tailgating. And they're made in the USA with the confidence of a 100-year-old family business. Amaze your tailgating friends with Solaire infrared grills. Learn more about these fantastic grills at besthotgrill.com. That's besthotgrill.com besthotgrill.com Right now, people are home with their pets more often, and I think especially with the shedding, they're more cognizant of what's going on and that it's an actual issue. Olive's got some skin issues. He gets really going and scratching. Excessive shedding, a lot of just scratching and itching. Digging, scratching, and itching, and biting. On top of that, he was starting to get black buildup in his ears. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. I just heard the Dynavite commercial so many times that I said, you know what, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And I ordered it and tried it, and it worked. We started Dynavite, and in our first box, we noticed a difference, especially with the shedding. Within three weeks, he's not scratching and itching, and he's an all-around happier dog. We've got four dogs, all different ages, all different sizes, and they've all just responded really well to the Dynavite, and they all love it. We will be using Dynavite for life. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. We order our Dynavite from Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. This is the John Stacker Walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. 50 years ago today, the Pirates uh, made history. They fielded a team with nine black players. Now, if you aren't old enough to remember it, uh, and you're aware of what media coverage is like in 2021, and with so much emphasis on race right now, you might think that it was a major story all over the country when it happened, but it wasn't. 
It was mentioned and talked about a little bit, especially locally, but not a big deal. But the results of the game were probably more important and more of a subject than the actual uh, history that was made. Danny Murtaugh was the manager. His son, Tim, at the time, was a manager in the Pirates' farm system and uh, would go on to manage uh, for several years. And he joins us now. Tim, thanks for being here. John, it's a pleasure again to speak to you. Yes, uh, we worked together. I should mention that Dan and uh, Tim and I um, rode the buses in Charleston together uh, for a season way back in uh, 1976. I was uh, 11 years old, and um, we we we, uh, we uh, went all over the uh, I guess all over the Northeast uh, on the bus to, uh, covering baseball. But and Tim was the manager, I was the play-by-play guy. So. Uh, you you were in your first season as a manager, I believe, in 1971. Do you remember being made aware of that story in Pittsburgh that night? No, I, I wasn't made aware of it at all. But uh, if I can go off on my own, the uh, sure. my hometown had a uh, luncheon honoring the all-black team uh, sometime after 1971. And Dick Allen was there, Richie Allen, right? You know, from who was from Wampum, which yeah. was probably in your uh, area, right up north. And area. Uh, I think uh, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame as Danny Murtaugh does, right? But uh, he was at that luncheon because he played for the Phillies then, and he told me when on the way up to start the season, teams used to drive buses or trains through the South to get to their Northern home. So the pirates would leave Florida heading towards where we're opening in uh, Philadelphia. So we played the Phillies on the way up. So uh, we were, my father's team was playing against Dick Allen's team, the Phillies. And uh, Dick told me this story at that luncheon. He said that, you know, I hope I get this right and cleaned it up significantly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But he said the uh, the Pirates team took the field, and they were all black guys, all black players. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the local sponsors who paid money to see this event went out and pointed it out to my dad, saying basically that you've got all white all black players here in my class well yeah they're the guys that i want to see how they do today and uh and uh the the discussion went on as uh, dick allen was saying that uh, there was some tobacco juice flew around you can't tell me who to play (laughs) Uh, but as a concession my dad agreed to start Bill Mazeroski, which pleased the people very much because Maz was the uh, big hero sure. from the 1960 World Series. Mm-hmm. So that appeased the local sponsors. Uh, and, and anyway, I think my dad was very much aware of the, from that incident anyway, of the uh, so, racial makeup of his team. That's so, the first time I've told anybody that story, but well, well, I got it right from Richie Allen. Well, let me. So, so this was before the, he he put the nine players on on the field, uh, or yes. After, uh, and you mean before. he? And so he was planning to do that before, and the sponsors said not uh, telling him not to do it. 
he had he had done it before. Yeah, you know, in that particular game, and it was in Asheville. Oh, okay. Uh, and as a concession to the, it was an exhibition game, and as a concession to the local sponsors, who put up guaranteed money for the the teams to play there. Yeah. Uh, he put Mazeroski in to bat lead off and play second base, and then took him out of the game at the first chance and went with the lineup that he intended to. So it was an exhibition game on the way north. That's what it was. And yes, yeah, yes, I'm yeah, sorry. I should have yeah. made that clear, John. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was an exhibition game in Asheville, North Carolina, which is in the south, and there's a lot of implications there. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, so, and by the way, I... Uh, before I worked with you in the uh, in Charleston, West Virginia, in 1976, I I did games in Lafayette, Louisiana, in 1975, and I have some stories about uh, how black players were treated uh, there back then, and that was oh, only like ten years after the uh, Civil Rights Act. But so I, I think I know what you're talking about, and that was in the Deep South. <laughs> I you remember know? that ballpark that had the worst lights of any ballpark I was ever in. Uh, Clark Field in Lafayette. They were all yellow, yellow lights. Yeah, and it was 340 yeah. feet to center field and and 450 to left, I think it was. But anyway, you were managing Shreveport then, I think. Um, yes. Yeah, your dad downplayed the, 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 nine, the nine black players, uh, you know, for, uh, in the lineup, and he said he just made out the lineup card that night, and it just kind of happened. So, do you remember him uh, talking about it at all? And you know, in the in the days right after that, or when uh, when the story broke, well, we, John, we never discussed it, but he was aware of it. I'm, I'm positive he knew that there were no white guys in his lineup that night. Uh huh. I mean, he was such a savvy man, uh, and he had that experience that Richie Allen had talked about. Right. That. Uh, I feel for certain that uh, he realized the implications of what he had done. Okay. Uh, I, I know he he knew what I was trying to get away with when I was a youngster. <laughs> yeah. he, he was always aware of that, so yeah. I think he was aware of the. Uh, so the he he was he smart was enough. Up. He was smart enough to some guys. I, I think, and I didn't know your dad. I I came here. My first year was uh, he was it was uh, his last year was seventy six, and I came in. Uh, the year after that, um, working in Pittsburgh, but um, he he was uh, smart enough to know that uh, it was better to just downplay it and not make a big deal about it. I, I think if it happened today, um, it would be much much different, and it would be made a, a big big deal would have been made of it, and he would have been uh, he would have been hailed as a hero, and probably wouldn't have liked it. Might would be my guess. He, he would not have liked the uh, that kind of publicity. He didn't care about personal publicity. He was just interested in the team. Yeah, and um, the Pirates were ahead of every other team in baseball when it came to uh, signing Latin American players. Uh, most of whom those most of those players were black, if not all of them. Uh, you played with those uh, players uh, in the minor leagues, and then you managed them. Do you remember that being a topic of discussion within the organization at the time that the, the Pirates were ahead of everybody when it came to black and Latin players? No. No, really? We we, we never talked about it. You know, I just I had the players there, and uh, probably the uh, one of the greatest baseball scouts of all time, Howie Hake, 
who gets credit for signing Roberto Clemente and many others uh, was a real force. And he could put players he signed in positions where they, they could be successful. He had that kind of an influence with the front office. Mm-hmm. So uh, his players, which were predominantly uh, Latin or black, were uh, throughout the organization. And we just became used to one another. We, you know, not that we had to get used to each other, yeah. but it was just a fact of life. It, you know, these, are, these are my players, and I'm their manager, and there was no issue of it. Do you, so, so at the time, uh, a black player might not necessarily, if he's drafted by the Pirates, consider himself fortunate because maybe the, the young players at that time, might they have known that the, the Pirates were, were kind of ahead of the game on that stuff? You know, I, I think so. I, I think if somebody got, got signed with the Dodgers, they would uh, realize they started Jackie Robinson. Right, right. Uh, and the rest of it, with the Pirates, they would have known that the Pirates had a lot of... Uh, Earl Yawn had many black players and Latin players. Well, you were... Was, Go ahead. Dick Allen said in that... Uh, conversation I had with him, he said, I would have given anything to get traded to Pittsburgh and wow. be managed by your dad and that team they had there than to stay in Philadelphia. Yeah, the Phillies so stunk back then, happen. if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, they played the Phillies that night in 1971. And in the New York Times story, Larry Boa, who played for the Phillies, is um, is quoted as saying, he didn't. He doesn't remember uh, being that big a deal, but he just remembers looking out on the field and thinking, "Boy, is this team good!" There were six, <laughs> six guys in the starting lineup, but the first six hitters in the order were hitting over three hundred. It was September too, so I mean, it wasn't yeah, like it was April, yeah, it, you know? It was a good ball club. Yeah, and so they they had they had a lot of talent, and uh, you know, I grew up here in Pittsburgh, and I was a college student at that time in the seventy one season. My friends and I probably went to see 50 games that year. Uh, we would go to an entire homestand. We'd go every night uh, sometimes. Um, and I, I, as I think back on it, I, I, I do remember it being a story, but in, in no way was it a big deal. It just wasn't. It just A big deal was not made of right, it. Right. Well, and as I understand it, the uh, Pittsburgh newspapers were on strike at that they were, time. Yeah, so there yeah. wasn't any daily coverage of it. Right. There were 11,000 so people there that night. On, yeah, got picked up on AP or something, but it was no big story. Yeah, uh, and and uh, Al Oliver said it wasn't a big deal to the players because there were always lots of black players around. He said it was just routine. The players themselves, you know, with so much emphasis on it today, Tim, uh, it's hard to imagine that it wouldn't have been a bigger deal, uh, you know, if something that historic happened now. Um but for a guy like Al Oliver and those other players, it just wasn't. It, it, uh, they, it, they didn't feel like they had to make a big deal about it. That's right. Be, you know, before a little sidetrack, before Al Oliver was Al Oliver, mm-hmm. we played on the same team in the Carolina League in Raleigh. And uh, in Pittsburgh, celebrating the 71 team's anniversary, uh, Al told me that I pinch hit for him once. <laughs> Uh, which you know, probably is a, a sad event for him, but you know, I just told him it. Well, our <laughs> manager was Joe Morgan, 
Uh, and, you know, I said, Joe probably just wanted to win the game. He needed a hit and put the best player in. <laughs> yeah, right. What was your lifetime batting average in the minor leagues? Oh, <laughs> well, it was over the Mendoza line. I'll yeah, say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I know. It was. I, I checked it out. It was up there. I mean, you, 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 you were. Hey, you were a Triple A player, a Triple A manager. You know, I, one of the things that I learned, uh, Tim, from doing minor league baseball, you know, you hear somebody say, uh, "Well, this player or that player stinks." Or, you know, he's only hitting two twenty, uh, and he's not a very good player. And having seen players at the AA and AAA level in the minor leagues and seen how good they were, most of whom never sniffed the big leagues. Uh, and they were great, great players. Probably the best players in their area ever, maybe, or the best player ever to play for their high school team. And they made it to AA and maybe hit three hundred and never heard from again. Yes, it's a, it's a tough game. Yeah. Now, what I found interesting about uh, getting back to the story about this uh, nine that uh, was 50 years ago tonight, um, nine black players fielded, what I found interesting is that your dad, who played in the 40s and retired as a pirate player in 1951, I don't know if you knew this, uh, he never had a black teammate because the fire the pirates first black player was Kurt Roberts in 1954 and by then your dad was no longer playing no kidding no i didn't i didn't realize that i know that uh Jackie Robinson started in what 47 yeah i think in uh Pittsburgh and like most of the Phillies were very slow to uh yeah catch on yeah, what I, what I think what, what makes it interesting to me is that your dad is the guy who fielded an entirely black lineup, and he was not that far not that far removed from being a player. He was had been a player twenty years earlier, but he never played. Uh, he played against the black players, I think, because he was still around after Jackie Robinson showed up. But he never had a black teammate, so uh, uh, it, you know it was it was he grew up in a completely different atmosphere of baseball. There were no black players. Wow, that's amazing. You know, I found an interesting story that I told my niece who wrote a book about her grandfather, my dad, Yeah, was that uh, when he was in the Army, when he got drafted, he uh, signed up to go into the Army Air Corps, which was somewhat new then. Yeah. Uh, but he got rejected and evicted, whatever you call it, from the Army Air Corps because he was colorblind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a pilot, you can't be colorblind because you've got to read all the right. different things on the ground. Yeah. You know, and then in, uh, back in 1971, uh, he was colorblind again when he put those all those black players on the team, on the, on the field that night. Yeah. I got so about- it was ironic. It was the same word, but it got him into the infantry instead of the Air Force. And, uh well, listen, uh, Tim. I got about a minute and a half left here. Um, what would your dad think of the way the game is being played today? Uh, doesn't seem to be a lot of managing I, going on. I tell you, I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know if he would be into, into the uh, new statistics, sabermetrics. I forget what you call it, but uh, the analytics, spin yeah, spin rate, and you know, he was. More or less, can this guy do the job, or can he? Yeah, uh, it wasn't in uh, I, launch angle or yeah. 
I don't. Yeah, I don't. Does the ball go over the fence or doesn't it? Yeah, I don't think he would have been all that concerned about exit velocity. You know, Clemente hitting one no. over the left center field <laughs> wall. He would. What was the exit right. velocity on that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I tell you, he was a smart guy. He was highly intelligent. I, I think, uh, if top, the opportunity came around, uh, he would have looked into it and made his own choice about how he wanted to use those uh, statistics that are available now. Well, hey, I'm out of time, Tim. Uh, your dad should be in the Hall of Fame. I hope it still can happen. And uh, your son, uh, Tim, you should be very proud of him. He's been on the show many times, and I appreciate you coming on. Well, John, it's a pleasure. And uh, who would have thought back in 1976? Six, yeah. When was it? Yeah, 76. It, here it is, back in 2000 and whatever year it is, 2001. <laughs> 21, I think, I, uh, last I checked. 21, thank yeah. you. Yeah. 2021, we'd be talking on the phone like this. There we are. We're, we're on the radio, just like we were 45 years ago. We're yeah. both still alive, <laughs> too, right. which is not bad. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're on the right side of the grass. Right. Hey, thanks, Tim. Mo, hope to talk again. Okay, thanks, John. Okay, Bye. and we'll be right back. SRN News. I'm John Scott. Authorities say one student has been injured in a shooting at a North Carolina high school. The Forsyth County Sheriff's Office tweeted the shooting occurred at Mount Tabor High School. The campus has been secured. The department says it was investigating what happened and actively seeking the suspect. In New Orleans, life remains difficult. It's a big mess and most people have left town. I think part of that is due to the power outages. New Orleans resident Summer Fields Some electricity has been restored in New Orleans, but it's going to take time before full power is restored. The remnants of Ida blowing into New England, a band of severe weather that's flooding low-lying communities and forcing evacuations in Virginia, Maryland, and Pennsylvania. A tornado watch remains in effect for parts of the Appalachians, and deadly floods could happen in cities like New Jersey to Boston. This is SRN News. Pushing Lawson back, landing blows, Lawson returns. Oh, a big shot. How do you mind if you think this family can pick you up every time you fall? A struggling father must fight for what matters most. Dylan Wright came in this morning. He wants to fight you. With his faith against the ropes. This is your opportunity to get back on your feet. This is my time. Witness this story of redemption. That's the fight, Bo. I can't believe I'm saying it, that Bo Lawson can go 10 years without a competitive fight, and here he is going toe-to-toe with the world champion. No one expected this out of him. A Father's Fight, now streaming on Salem Now. Look for Salem Now in the App Store or at SalemNow.com. AM 1250, the 
The Answer, The Mike Gallagher Show. He's your happy conservative warrior. Because unlike Michael Byrd, Ashley Babbitt was immediately identified. Michael Byrd's identity, because of the design of the U.S. Congress, had been protected. And it bears repeating, Ashley Babbitt's husband has been threatened relentlessly as well. Breaking news and what to make of it. The Mike Gallagher Show, weekdays at 9, right before Dennis Prager at noon on AM 1250. The Answer. Why doing it right, roofing, siding, and remodeling? As an Owens Corning Roofing Platinum Preferred Contractor, it's simple. It's in their name. They're doing it right, and it's what you'd expect as a homeowner and what they intend to deliver. Call 724-NEW-ROOF. Want it done right, call doing it right. Have you heard? Rodents are taking over. According to various news articles, recent COVID-19-related disruptions have caused abnormal behavior in rodents, making them become more aggressive. Don't let your home or business be invaded with a disease-carrying rodent infestation. Keep them away with Plug-In Pest Free. G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-In Pest Free. Using the active wiring in your home or business, Plug-In Pest Free goes to work keeping rodents and pests away the more humane way without using toxic poisons or other harsh pesticides. Just plug it in. It's that simple. Now that's fair dinkum. Stop the infestation and order yours today at gopestfree.com and receive a free hand sanitizer pen with every order using promo code PEN. That's gopestfree.com, promo code P-E-N. gopestfree.com, promo code PEN. Don't spray and regret. Plug in and forget. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh, a division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Todd Starts can get you thinking. But the school district, they don't want that. They want mindless zombies who are filling their mushy little brains, the the brains of the little urchins. They want to fill the brains, the mushy brains, with this liberal anti-American ideology. That's what they're doing. So my recommendation, you need to stand up. You need to start showing up at school board meetings. The Toddcast Podcast, available on SalemPodcastNetwork.com and everywhere podcasts are heard. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Very rough afternoon out there. Still dealing with flooding in a number of spots, including Plum Street, Oakmont area between 6th Street and Dark Hollow Road. Tree down, wires down Little Pine Creek Road in Shaler between Wetzel Road and Marsolf Road. Parkway East, seeing some delays on the inbound side, Edgewood Swissvale to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. On the outbound side of 28, it's very backed up, just past Route 8 up to the Highland Park Bridge. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. Flood advisory in effect through Friday evening for tonight. Clouds breaking, low 54. Tomorrow, sunny and nice. A welcome break from recent rounds of heavy rain. We'll see a high of 73. Tomorrow night, clear skies. Good weather for sleeping, the low 50. Friday will be comfortable with sunshine and areas of high clouds. will reach a high Friday of 74. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. You know, about a week and a half ago or so, uh, we had a guy on the show here uh, named Joe Sweeney. And uh, he was in Afghanistan. He had, that was on a, I believe it was on a Tuesday that we talked to him. Anyway, he had, uh, he had just arrived from Afghanistan the previous uh, Saturday or Sunday. He was uh, one of the people who got out. He's a contractor. 
Uh, and um, he had some interesting stories to tell about what he saw there and what uh, his just impressions of how it was handled and all that. Well, uh, he his he was his plane left the tarmac uh, just as the war was ending there, and uh, his American team members just made it out in time. And he worked with uh, Afghan allies, uh, and there are a lot of questions out there. You know, first of all, was it worth it? Uh, what's going to happen now to all the people who remain there? We've been talking about it a lot here. Uh, we are uh, going to have a little event coming up here soon uh, here at uh, the Answer uh, AM 1250, The Answer. And I'll be along with uh, Kathy Emmons at uh, Word FM. It'll be at the Christ Church at Grove Farm in Sewickley. Joe's going to be there. We're going to have a panel discussion. We're going to talk to Joe about what happened. We're also going to talk to him about the Acervo Project, which involves uh, uh, child and sex trafficking, and it's happening right here in western Pennsylvania, and his project is is uh, all about putting an end to that. But you can uh, get tickets now at TheAnswerPGH.com for this event. It's uh, Friday, September 17th, two weeks from this Friday, from 6 until 8.30 at Christ Church at Grove, uh, Christ Church at Grove Farm. That's in Sewickley. And you'll learn the situation uh, on the ground, what was going on there, who the key players are, and how we can still make a difference. Get your tickets now for that at uh, TheAnswerPGH.com. And uh, join me and Kathy Emmons from Word FM uh, with Joe Sweeney, Christ Church at Grove Far- Farm, Sewickley, and tickets at TheAnswerPGH.com. We'll be talking about that a lot in the next uh, week or so to uh, keep you updated on this, and uh, make sure you get your tickets. Should be a good time. Now, uh, we have a guest coming up in a couple of minutes here, but I, a couple of things I wanted to get to before we get to him. Uh, this is just something I just was made aware of uh, just a little while ago. This is a Duquesne. This is Derek Hook, H-O-O-K. He's a professor of psychology at Duquesne. That's the school that, you know, is in Pittsburgh. It's a college, a Catholic university. He uh, has said that white people should commit suicide as an ethical act, as an opportunity to castrate whiteness. That's what I'm told by Amy Tarkanian on Twitter. I haven't looked this up, but uh, that's the quote being attributed to Derek Hook. Uh, boy, I hope... Uh, I. <laughs> I hope that's not true, but uh, why do I think it is, based on what's going on in the world these days? But, you know, how'd you like to pay uh, 60000 bucks a year or whatever it is to, for your kid to go to Duquesne and have them learn stuff like that? And speaking of learning, another another little item here that I uh, saw that I—this has really made me want to throw up. This is from uh, New York City, and it's the uh, it's a story in the New York Post— this is just, uh, I mean, it's its almost like somebody made it up. I, I've been saying it's like we we live in a, um, in a Monty, Monty Python movie, but uh, New York City wants schools to th- rethink honor rolls and they, uh, because they're deemed detrimental to students not making the grade, okay? Recognizing student excellence via honor rolls and class rank can be detrimental to learners who find it more difficult to reach academic success, often for reasons beyond their control, the document says. This is from the City Department of Education. It wants schools to rethink honor rolls and class rankings because they're detrimental to some of the kiddies. How about that? 
recognizing student excellence and class rank can be detrimental now. Are you ready for that? That's, that's where we are. And that's in New York City. And again, these are the people who are educating your kids. Now, um, we are still in the midst of what's going on up there and uh, down in Washington in the aftermath of uh, what happened after the surrender in Afghanistan. You just wonder how long the media will hold out before they start turning uh, the big guy into a sympathetic figure and a hero. There are lots of things we don't know, and maybe it's time to uh, get the truth out about about what happened. Uh, James Carafano is the vice is vice president of the Heritage Foundation's Institute for National Security and Foreign Policy. He says it's time for Congress to authorize a 9/11 style commission. And James joins us now. James, thanks for being here. Hey, it's good to be with you. So, uh, where would you like to begin? We uh, we don't have all day. So, where would you uh, like to begin on how Biden failed on this? Well, you know, I can explain how he failed. Look, Biden convinced himself that Afghanistan was collapsed. He just, and it, it was all about politics. He really didn't care about the 38 million people or the stuff on the ground. He just didn't want to happen in his watch, and he didn't want the ugly photographs of the Saigon moment. And so he, he pulled Ghani, who's the president of Afghanistan, and the Taliban together, and he, he wanted them to cut a deal where Ghani would turn the country over to the Taliban, and then Biden would be able to you know, get out, and then everything could collapse after he left, and he said, oh, it didn't happen on my watch, not my fault. That was the plan. Um, Ghani got cold feet and bolted with, with a bunch of cash. The Taliban didn't want to deal anyway. And so he was faced with a situation in, in which the Taliban were going to roll in and he hadn't coordinated with anybody. He didn't coordinate with allies. He didn't tell anybody what he was going to be doing. And then he panicked and just trying to get out of town as fast as he can. He didn't give the military enough forces to, to do that. Um, and, uh, and that's why things went the way they did. And the irony here is he didn't want to give them any more troops because he, because he just wanted to get out really quickly. And, and because, because he didn't, because the Taliban just rolled in, he actually wanted to putting more troops in and taking casualties and having the whole black hole moment he didn't want. It was completely incompetent leadership on his part. There's no question for that. And he made a political mistake on top of the, the, the strategic mistake because he, he then turned around and made, because it's all about politics for him, he made it a referendum on his leadership and on his decision-making. That was a bad idea because the facts are already starting to come out to show that he's really bad. To me, the most important thing right now is because we may have just started the, the second global war on terror. We have to have an independent nonpartisan commission. And it's not just about you know, pointing fang- fingers and holding, you know, blaming people because we're going to be able to do that anyway because all the facts are out there. But it's important because we have transparency to show people how government worked and so we can understand the threat so we can move forward. Because they're, they're making more stupid mistakes even as we speak, which are even, even more dangerous. Uh, can and you... I would just say, Go ahead. Uh, just real quick, yeah. remember, after 9-11, we had a Republican president and a Republican Congress, and they established an independent commission because they knew that transparency was important. They wanted Americans to understand what happened, and they wanted to use that in the way forward. And Pelosi herself took the results of the 9-11 commission and turned it into law. So there's precedence for this. It's not about politics. It's about understanding where we are, because we are in a very bad place, my friend. Of course, 9-11 was a much more spectacular uh, incident. Uh, obviously, we know we see three, almost 3,000 people die and planes flying into buildings. Uh, this was 
uh, a, a disaster in, in Afghanistan, and the, some of the pictures were nasty, but it doesn't rise to the level of what happened uh, with 9-11. Yeah. Uh, can people become that? Go ahead. No, no, here's the problem. Because the Taliban, the, the two people behind 9-11, al-Qaeda and the Haqqani Network, though the Taliban is not going to kick them out of the country. They're inviting the Taliban back in, the, the al-Qaeda back in as we speak. The Haqqani Network are actually part of the governing body in Kabul. So they're going to be, the Taliban are going to let them operate. These are religious zealots who are committed to global jihad. They have to regain their honor. The only way they can regain their honor is to do another attack like 9-11, to show the world that they are back in the ballgame. And, and they have to plan it and do it from Afghanistan so they can spit in our face. So if this is not the bottom of the barrel. We are not at the end of the hole. We are at the beginning of this, and we know less about what's going on in Afghanistan today than Bill Clinton did when he was just blindly lobbing cruise missiles in there in the 1990s, and and they were planning the first 9/11. So I I think this is much much more dangerous and much bigger than just merely abandoning 38 million people to the Taliban and leaving hundreds of friends and allies and Americans uh, for hostages and embarrassing and humiliating the United States in front of the entire world. And and how does um, the uh, the placement of thousands of refugees from Afghanistan, who I I'm not all that confident were very right. well vetted, combined with what's happening on our southern border, add to the issue? Well, to me, the, the big the, the two big issues are one the border, because literally we're going to have tens of millions of illegal aliens walking into this country we know nothing about. If you are a terrorist. And it's much better, rather than trying to recruit somebody here to do a terrorist act, at this point you're much better bringing in assets from abroad and having them attack and, and walking them across the southern border. So, so having an open border after what just happened in Afghanistan is literally national suicide. The other problem is the last seven, eight months, Biden has been using the Department of Justice and Department of Homeland Security primarily for hounding and demonizing um, his political enemies, going after conservatives, um, labeling them extremists. They are not doing the day job. They are not focused on transnational terrorists. This would be like before 9-11 if, you know, George Bush had said, you know, go out and, uh, you know, investigate liberals. I mean, so those those things worry me a good deal. We are literally disarming. I mean, this would be like on the day after 9 if, if this would be on the, like the day after 9-11 if Joe Biden had gone into the airports and said, take down all the security. Wow. We're talking to James Carafano. He's the vice president of the Heritage Foundation's Institute for National Security and Foreign Policy. So here's my here, – see, I, I'm just a simple guy, and I, I, I this seems so obvious to me, uh, what you just said about the, you know, the, the southern border and bringing these people in that are, are not going to be vetted, and then the motivation that, that the people who want to blow things up in the United States have to do it again. This just seems so obvious. Uh, could you please, I mean, could you please put yourself in the position of the Democrats and, and, and discuss why, be, why would they be doing this? Is it stupidity? Is it evil intent? I mean, just total incompetence? Yeah. What is it? So this, of course, this fits in with a pattern of everything from inflation, open border, critical race theory, crime. These guys are not acting like a normal government. 
in a normal administration, when you do a bunch of things and everybody gets angry at you, 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 you stop because you want to get reelected. So you, 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 you change policies, you fire people. These guys don't do that. They just keep doing what they're doing. And I think the reason for that is they're not acting like normal politicians who are trying to please voters. They're acting like people who are trying to seize political power and hold on to it forever. They're myopically focused on their voting, on their, their voting control bill on $4.5 trillion of dollars, taking over the economy and all these other things, because once they control all those, those instruments of power, they don't have to worry about getting reelected. They don't have to worry about uh, and, pleasing and this, voters anymore. That's right. And this fits right into that. I mean, here, here they have a disaster on their hands in Afghanistan. They're completely at half the country wants the, the president to be impeached over this. And what do they do? They come out and they say the same talking points. And then the president goes back on vacation. They don't care about voters. They care about political power. It, it, the interesting thing is if you listen to Biden's speech yesterday, it was just regurgitating the same talking points they've been doing for two weeks. And if you look at all those talking points, none of them are really designed to address the crisis. All of them are really designed to, for domestic politics, to give people excuses to still support Biden. That's because, I'm, and I'm not talking about you know, the guys on the ground trying to evacuate people, but Biden looks at this crisis and indeed at all foreign policy just as an extension of, of his domestic political issues. Not as about, I need to get foreign policy right. I got about a minute left here with James Carfano. Um, what, are the, what are the chances of any investigation happening if the Democrats do maintain control? Well, it's only going to get worse. I mean, what are they going to do when the next shoe falls, when we see Americans in a, in a, in a basement video you, you know, blindfolded or there's a terrorist attack? So I, 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 think, I don't think we've hit the bottom of the barrel yet. I mean, you know, you know the old adage, you know, when you dig yourself in a hole, stop digging? The, the Biden guys are like, dig yourself in the hole, keep digging, maybe you'll find a tunnel. So I think the worst is yet to come. Well, that's not good news, but I appreciate you giving us a heads up, James. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Okay, that's James Carafano of the Heritage Foundation, and uh, pretty scary stuff there. We'll be right back. People are home with their pets more often, and I think especially with the shedding, they're more cognizant of what's going on and that it's an actual issue. Nala's got some skin issues. He gets really going and scratching. Excessive shedding, a lot of just scratching and itching. Digging, scratching, and itching, and biting. On top of that, he was starting to get black buildup in his ears. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. I just heard the Dynavite commercial so many times that I said, you know what, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And I ordered it and tried it, and it worked. We started Dynavite and in our first box, we noticed a difference, especially with the shedding. Within three weeks, he's not scratching and itching, and he's an all-around happier dog. We've got four dogs, all different ages, all different sizes, and they've all just responded really well to the Dynavite, and they all love it. We will be using Dynavite for life. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. We order our Dynavite from Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Is it time to push reset and get away with God? Christian Travel creates purposeful pauses to discover the most scenic, sought-after destinations while you immerse yourself in the wonder of God's creation. 
As you travel alongside the world's top Christian leaders, every step of the way will revive your faith and awaken your sense of wonder. Imagine morning devotions on the deck of a cruise ship as you pass towering Alaska glaciers or tropical Caribbean islands. Perhaps you're longing to set foot in the very places where Jesus walked and taught in Israel. Every day on a Christian cruise or tour brings you to new vistas while you enjoy uplifting music and powerful messages. Get away with God in a faith-focused journey, and the unforgettable memories you create will refresh you long after you return home. For more information, visit InspirationCruises.com or call 800-247-1899. That's InspirationCruises.com or call 800-247-1899. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com. Code 3388. Enjoy. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. Traders, listen up. As life in America starts to return to normal, are you looking for the best trading opportunities? With the current real estate market, the rise of crypto, and the volatility of tech stocks, it's virtually impossible to guess what will happen next. With Vantage Point, you don't have to. Text the word money to 813-813 to learn how our technology analyzes over 1 million data points per day. Text the word money to 813-813 so you can learn how to predict market trends up to three days in advance with incredible accuracy. Whether you're trading stocks, options, forex, futures, or crypto, Vantage Point's patented artificial intelligence can give you a massive edge. Text money to 813-813 to find out how to maximize your gains. Text the word money to 813-813 to learn how to use the volatility to your advantage. Don't wait. Text the word money to 813-813 now. By texting in, you consent to receive calls, voice, and text messages using automated technology regarding offers by or on behalf of Vantage Point. This is the John Stackerwald Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, since it would have been uh, Bino's 90th birthday, Bino Cook, I got to give you my favorite Bino Cook story. I hope I have time to tell it here. Christmas party at Channel 4 when I was working there. Um, I was pretty new there, and uh, I Bino was working with me, and I, I picked him up at his apartment, outside his apartment in downtown Pittsburgh. My wife was with me. And uh, she's sitting in the front seat when we pull up, and it's a a two-door. So uh, Bino never had met my wife before. We pull up. I say, hi, Bino. He says, you're going to have to get in the back. My wife just said, okay. She got in the back seat. Never met my wife before. So we get to Churchill Valley Country Club, which doesn't exist anymore for this Christmas party. And uh, we arrive, and, you know, people are mingling around and moving around trying to see where they're supposed to sit. There's some kind of assigned tables and everything. And um, 
The guy there, his name was Frank Graham. Nice guy, but very serious guy. Didn't laugh a lot. And his wife was just like him. So we arrive. Abino knows none of these people. He's never seen any of them before. This is my boss, the assistant news director. And his wife is going, now, why don't you sit over there? And Bino, you sit here. John, why don't... And she's doing one of those things where, I know, okay, you two people... No, let's try this. Move around. She's doing one of those routines at the table. And Bino's standing there. Now, remember, he's never set eyes on any of these people that are at the table that he's going to be having dinner with at this wonderful Christmas party. And the woman is still going, no, wait, no, no, Bino, you sit over there. John, you try. I, I know. I'll sit next to Frank. And One of those deals. Bino, with his voice, his, his deep, uh, he bellows, out, he yells out, Lady, it's not the invasion of Normandy. Just sit down. She sat down. Everybody sat down and everybody laughed. If I do that, I get fired. You know, people beat me up. They throw me out on the street. Bino was one of those guys who could get away with that and everybody laughed. My favorite Beano Cook story. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. The John Staggerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.